0: Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day you've given us to come here together, your children, to worship you, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we are your children. Our names are written in the book of life. Our eternal destiny is with you, and we thank you for that. Help us to be strong and victorious in this life. Thank you for the anointing that rests upon me and on your precious word, Lord, to break every yoke, to help the body of Christ, heal them everywhere they hurt, empower them to walk in victory, to show them and give them a revelation, knowledge of your love with your help, Holy Spirit, and to prosper in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What's 2020? Thinking about twenty twenty vision, amen. So I think this year, being twenty twenty and all, the Lord is it's kind of put in my heart that it's it's just a year for His children to to gain more uh, clarity and vision and to grow in. You know the, the the clarity and vision of of who we are and what we have in Christ is what I'm talking about, and and, and that's assuming according to John three three when Nicodemus came to Jesus at night and, and was was telling him, we know that you're a great man. Come from God. No one could teach and do these things." And he just interrupted. He said, "Listen, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God." So that. That settles it right there. So assuming that we have all received Jesus Christ as our Lord. If you haven't, that's easily fixed. Just believe and receive and we can take care of that today. But I think everybody here, if you're listening online, just contact me and we'll fix that. But once you are saved, you have a new identity. You need to grow in that, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how grace abounds to you, how you walk in peace and victory. And then to grow in the confident expectation of good from God. That's Christian hope. It's not just wishing, oh, I hope so. No, that's not hope. When I hear people say they hope so like that, I say, you're not hoping. That's a worldly hope. Let me teach you about godly hope, where you can be confident and expect the things that you're believing for <coughs> from God. Amen. Amen. Last week we were talking a little bit about holiness and how that word has become sort of a four letter word to people. It's scary and almost offensive sometimes. Well, nobody's perfect. Well, <laughs> it's a. It's simple, but it's not easy. Okay, the the, we're gonna understand it. Is what I'm talking about. We're gonna understand holiness, what it is, what it is not, how it is obtained, how it is not, and the benefits and the dangers of being with and without. Amen. Sound fair? We talked about it last week some. I tried to get into it and I I knew it was going to be a rough trip. But we're just going to keep pressing on and talking about it until until the light bulbs go on everywhere. Amen? Because everybody... You know, what it came about is that the beginning of the new year, everybody always talking about resolutions and all these things, making vows, which they should not do. But it's okay to have goals and to, but we all kind of want to be better, to do better. You know, seems like, whether it's just in our health or our relationships or finances, whatever, there's, there's areas we want to get better in. Amen. Amen. Living a better life and, and holiness will help in that regard amen <clears throat> holiness though here's why people are scared of it because let's talk about what it 's not. holiness is not me just trying to be better it's not my willpower. The bible calls it will worship that's how uh, it's an ungodly thing in that in that in that way. That's what legalism is. You see, I can do this. I'll do this. And then when you, if you make some progress, you claim it. I did that. And that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to rely upon Him and then to give Him all the glory. Amen? Because it's really only through Him that we can do and be all that He's created us to be and to do. That's what grace is for. So it's not me just trying harder. Amen. And it's not a religious thing. It's not, it doesn't come from pressure of any sort. Not from peer pressure, not from uh, church pressure, religious pressure, our peers, uh, guilt, condemnation. Jesus bore those things on his body on the cross. And so anytime someone uses those to motivate you, it's not new covenant. Okay. The way you get a born-again believer to change is to let them know who they are and what they are in Christ, what they have in Christ. And help them to believe that and grow in that and be strengthened in that. Amen? You ever heard of Todd White? He's a great evangelist now. He's a, He's got these long dreads and he's a cool guy. But he was a mess. Well, he was a... He was just a terrible junkie and liar. And all. Yeah, he was just bad, you know, like most of us were. Uh, just different things or whatever. But he, he, uh, he got saved, finally. And then, and then he'd screw up again. And he'd go back to his preacher and he'd say, Man, I'm just, I'm just no good, or I'm this, I'm that. And all this, this preacher kept telling him, That's not what the Bible says. That's not what God says. That's not what God says you are. That's not who God says you are. And it frustrated him. But then he just sent him back out. And uh, finally, he got it. He started to see and believe what the Bible says about who he is and what he had. And learned to walk in that victory. And, and uh, we're going to learn how to sort of draw those things out and to do the same thing. And talk about it maybe you already know more than i do about that but we're going to talk about it cuz peter said redundancy is good when it comes to the things of god amen, amen. so it's not just, it's not behavior modification that's what the world thinks it is that's why they watch you when you say okay you've you've got you've, you've got a, a new life in christ now you're going to church they start watching you to make sure that they find out something bad about you or see something they feel better about themselves because as long as they're better than the christian that lives next door they feel like they're okay with god because that's how he grades sort on a curve and they know that uh, if they good outweighs their bad then they'll just make it on into heaven i used to think like that but i always wondered lord where is the dividing line where is that one guy that he one sin too many, and he was here. And the one that was just like him, but just didn't say the one cuss word extra, and he made it over. Isn't that that just seems so unfair? <laughs> and it would be. It, it, that would be so tough. It's not that way. Either. Like I said, when God sees you, He either sees Adam, the seed of the fallen man, or He sees Jesus, the seed of the reborn, regenerated Spirit of God. Amen. So we need to understand the new birth. See, a lot of Christians have, a see, uh, contribute to that mindset in the world by saying that they've changed their lives. God has, God has changed my life. In other words, it's like uh, they presenting... They may be very excited about it and meaning well, but they're presenting themselves to everybody they knew as a repaired person. As a repaired old man, instead of someone who died and was reborn, resurrected with Christ, and now old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now see, right there is where you're going to lose the world because they can't understand that. It's impossible for them to understand. It's spiritually discerned. And, but you have to know it and believe it. Otherwise, you'll continue to live out of your soulish realm, your emotions, and your flesh like you did before. When what you're really trying to learn to do is to live in agreement with the Spirit of God which is in you. When the spirit and the soul touch, the flesh will just follow suit. Amen. (laughs) So. When I was a sinner. I did some good things. God didn't count those to me as righteousness though. There might be some temporal rewards. Because God's principles. And God's. Spiritual laws. They benefit everybody. He makes the rain fall on the just and the unjust. So. By doing good in this life, you're going to get a harvest. Even if you don't belong to God. He just has it set up that way. But not righteousness. Not heaven. You know what I'm saying? There are a lot of good people. So I did some good things when I was a bad person. <laughs> when I belonged to the devil. But it wasn't credited to me as righteousness. The good news about that is now that you're born again, you still do some bad things. You maybe not the things you used to do, thank God. Like I I tell people, yeah, I still sin. I not that old stuff, not that overt sin like I used to do, but you know, mostly the battlefield is between our ears and we as we growing. And it's a progressive thing. Amen? Yes. <laughs> so, but not by trying harder do I get better. But it's by trusting longer. The Bible says that patience and comfort come through the scriptures. So, and so does faith. So, we need the Word. It's imperative that we grow in this and are discipled in the truth because all we've ever learned in the world is lie, And we have nothing to combat that with. We're left to our own ways, our own thinking, our own devices. You see the world out there, these scholars, and they're figuring everything out. The fear of the Lord, though, is the beginning of knowledge. And so if they don't have the fear of the Lord, in other words, if they're not they don't believe this if they're not basing their facts and their reasoning on this Jeremiah said it's not within man to 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 make his own way his own steps to direct his own steps we'll fail every time why? because you're basing it on you're starting off on the wrong premise you see And it's always going to lead you in in the wrong direction at some point. It might sound good and seem right. And there might be a lot of good things in there. Because some things are obvious. People have a conscience. But other things, and you can see uh, by the things that are so uh, acceptable and PC these days. All based on lies of the devil. They seem very good though. If I wasn't a Christian, when I wasn't a Christian, I agreed with them. Hey, man, let everybody be. Okay, Sarah, Sarah, What's it to you? And still, I love them. That's what the people don't understand about Christians. That's why they want to force you to call evil good. Because they identify with that, that negative behavior. That's their identity. Well, we say, no, it's not. And that makes them mad. Say We say, I love you. And God loves you. But he hates the sin. Because it, it destroys you. The devil has you deceived. And he and you are no match. You're no match for the devil apart from Jesus. He'll eat your lunch and pop the bag. And that's what he's doing with millions upon millions upon millions. So... It's not my willpower. It's not uh, religious uh, things. You know, I could, we could, we could browbeat somebody into doing some good things. You know, hey, we go to church. If you go to a church where your whole family goes, men going, you know, you like your family of skunks. You got your own pew, <laughs> and you, you just, you know, your certain things are expected of you, and so you do them. That don't change anything about your uh, ungodly desires, emotions and thoughts and so forth. Nothing. It's like the little little child, you know, it says you get over here and sit down right now and <laughs> walks over there. I'm I'm standing over here, but in my mind I'm still sitting over there. <laughs> yeah you are. Or I could just you know, we could change it to a a pole there, or something keep you from, from doing the sin out there that you were doing but then what you still the inside of the cup is dirty right and not only that but now you pissed you bitter you're angry you're going to hate me you're going to hate whoever change you up basically and there's a spiritual way of doing that too and it's religion false religion will do that to people it just makes them more angry. And it doesn't do anything to curtail the sin in their life. Why? And so when Jesus comes, we're set free from sin. That's an important thing. Free to serve him now. See, unencumbered. Not, the devil can't make us do anything. We can agree with him if we decide to. Unfortunately, God didn't want robots. Robots. Give you a free will. But the good news is, once you have Jesus, there's nothing compelling you to agree with the enemy. You have a choice. And, not only that, but he's provided you with everything you need. So everything he's asked you to do or wants you to do. Everything. You see, and... Let me get to the word here. First Timothy. Didn't I say something about First Timothy? Oh, I know why. Because... I, wanted, I was talking about legalism and the law and what's, what holiness is not. And so let's look at 1 Timothy briefly. And there's uh, all the T's back there. Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus. There we go. Okay. So in 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, down at the 8th verse... It says, now we know that the law is good. Okay. (laughs) But he didn't stop there, thank God. Okay. If one uses it lawfully. Understanding this. That the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient. For the ungodly and sinners. For the unholy and profane. For those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. So, the law is really meant to bring sinners to God. In other words, that, well, if I put the Ten Commandments up here and you had to stare at them for the whole service, you might look away a few times. Because all it's doing is, this is the, this is the, acute, the accusations that the devil used to, to accuse you with, you see. This is the holiness of God, there's nothing wrong with the law. But it's not something that we would ever were ever able to achieve on our own. And God knew that. So in order to curtail sin until Jesus could come. In other words, if we just took all the speed limit signs down, <clears throat> most of us would still drive in a reasonable manner. You know, we know what's safe, what isn't safe. We don't really need a sign. But there are others who would be doing crazy things. You know what I mean? So we need that law for those because, and and there are other things that people would do. Believe me, if you just, if you just do a one world government, which the devil is after, take down all the borders and all the walls and no laws and no restrictions and that doesn't, doesn't promote good. You, You send a, Plain loads of cash over to people that want you dead. That's not going to change their heart and make them like you when they're motivated by false religion. Yeah. You see? Yes. Yep. Nothing is going to fix that. God has enemies in this world. God has enemies, nations. God set up the nations, the kingdom. That doesn't mean... You know, so let me... Let me qualify that. Everybody in that enemy nation state, he would love to have them all saved. And it's available to them. Jesus died for each one of them just like he did for you and me. And they're welcome at the foot of the cross, level ground. Amen. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, if I get off on that, I'll be gone, gone, gone. (laughs) So holiness comes from understanding that the law is not Meant for for you. It was never meant for Christians. It was meant to bring sinners to God. It, 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 for people that still have a conscience, an a, a open heart to Him, it showed them, man, I need a Savior. It's impossible. I, I'm, I'm just a sinner. If that's God's standard, oh my goodness. Lord, help me. Good. That's what Jesus came for. Okay? And for others who just aren't ever going to come to Him well, they need that. They need that law. It's, all right. You know, there are consequences for our actions. And we need some of that in place. <laughs> but it's not for you. And that's why churches that continue to, to use that as their hellfire and brimstone uh, sort of messages, that doesn't change anybody. If I come in here and I start... Uh, well, anyway, I'm not even going to mention that. But pre- when preachers preach on a certain sin or something like that, they generally have a breakout of that sin in their church when they when they hammer on it. I don't know what it is. It's like putting a sign. You never had a rock thrown at your house in 40 years, and you put a big sign in your in your yard that says "Don't throw rocks at this house." Every kid that walks by, they're going to want to throw a rock at that house. <laughs> That's what it does So we need to The Bible says, calls it beholding Christ As we behold Christ as we, as we look upon Christ As we magnify the Lord It's like a seesaw The way we're made we, You can either have It's either spiritual or carnal You can either magnify God And his promises Or the world and your problems Not both at once it's like a spiritual tug-of-war. Faith, I want, to, I want to stand in faith. I believe, I believe. Oh, my God, what's going to happen? It's like... And, and the Bible gets real tough on people like that, on us. And it's just kind of tough love. It's saying you're double-minded. Don't expect to get anything from God. It doesn't mean it's because He's mad at you. It just means because He has spiritual laws set in place for our benefit, to provide for us. And the way that we obtain all the things provided by grace. I mean, you can believe, you can, you can release all the faith you want for something that you shouldn't have. And it, that faith isn't going to get it for you. The devil might give it to you. But if it wasn't provided through Jesus' death on the cross, then you can't get it, obtain it by faith. If it wasn't provided by grace, you can't obtain it by faith. Okay? But now, prosperity, health, forgiveness, peace, love, joy, all that is part of your provision. We need to know what, we, what he did die to provide us with so that we know what to believe for. If someone believes, as some churches may teach them, that God has put something on them to teach them a lesson, then why are they going to resist it? you know you go to these places and they tell you that well I just believe God has put this disease on me to 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 make me stronger And then, well then what are you going to the doctor for you old yeah. you old sinner <laughs> and one thing to know it's just like a, it's a gradual thing Holiness. We're gonna we're gonna make mistakes as long as we're in this flesh, and as we grow in the grace and knowledge, everything in the Bible that Peter and James and John all of them talk about it's all about a gradual progression in God. And so, be encouraged in that regard because there's there's all sorts of stages of our maturity, just like a just like a child growing up, and you're fine. God has you you know? And don't be discouraged when it's just not, you know, when some holier-than-thou person comes and just, oh, I read my Bible 70 hours a day. You know, and oh, you shouldn't do that, and God doesn't like that. You know, just, just thank them and move on. You know, that that's not what you need. What you need is to be encouraged in who you are and what you have in Christ. And know that on the cross, He paid for all your sins and forgave you for everything before you were ever born. So these people that say, "Well, when you receive Him, you, all your past sins are forgiven," but then all your your new ones, you got to get those under the blood and so forth and so on. Well, that's silly. He only died once for your sins, and that was before you ever committed any. So you better hope He can. Your your future sins are covered. It's not, it's not a, it's not a earned relationship. It's not, it's a relationship that we have with God that uh, provides our holiness. It's the, and holiness is the fruit of that relationship, not the root. Okay, that's the important thing to remember. So I talked about all this mostly last week, anyway, and I was I really want to get just touch on that a little bit. Because I really wanted to cover the other two things. Because I was asking why. Since God has paid for all of our sins. And and uh, he's not. You know just like he didn't count my good deeds. As righteousness toward me when I was a sinner. Now he's not counting my bad deeds. Uh, against me as a saint. I'm not losing my salvation. When I. When uh, let one fly at that guy on the road a couple of weeks ago. He doesn't like it, but it's it's not it's not counted to me because now I, my spiritual identity has changed, my spiritual address from hell to heaven. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Now I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, and no one and nothing can snatch me out of His hand. I do believe that you can lose your salvation, but not because God wants it to. I think you can reject Him and continue doing so to the point where your heart has become hardened to God and you lose all sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and you can turn your back on God. But you don't have to go around fearful. It's it's a conscious thing. It's not a, and that's only for a mature believer, somebody who knew what they were doing. You see what I'm saying? And I could get into those scriptures. I don't know why I even went there today because it's a whole thing. But that's maybe somebody needed to hear that. Ephesians. Let's just go to Colossians. Ephesians and Colossians are sort of. Uh, companion books in the bible they're very similar they're just two different letters written by paul to the church uh wanted to ephesus and one to the church at colossae but they're very similar in their content um but different but the the first part like in ephesians the first few chapters are telling you who you are and what you have now in Christ. What's been done on your behalf. And then the last three chapters are telling you how to live it out. You know. And the same thing with Colossians. Colossians is, is really great in, in the sense that in the beginning it, it's, it's just really hammers who Christ is. His authority and power and who he is and how he's the head of everything in heaven and earth and below the earth and you know he's it so these people these universalism people that they like jesus but they also agree that you know everybody all these other people that are still in their graves are okay to worship as well jesus is one of the ways colossians that's good medicine for them it shows without a doubt they ain't no other but him and he's he's it I'm going to go back because Ephesians, I'm just going to tell you a couple of things. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Done deal. You have everything that you need. When you pray, you need to stop waiting for God to send the answer and send the provision. When you pray, you need to believe that what you have Prayed for, you have. Because it's already here. The kingdom of God is in you. The deposit has been made. Jesus himself has taken up residence by the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And now you don't have to get a prayer through to God. He's right here. And the all of the promises in here regarding you in Christ are yes and amen. So we know that when we pray according to his will, we have the petitions of our heart. What we have prayed for, we know that the answer is yes. You say, well, man, I prayed for a bunch of stuff I didn't get. Well, because there are spiritual laws at work for our good, just like just like God created gravity for our good to keep us grounded here from floating off into space. But it can kill you too, can't it? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's why I don't like the idea of jumping out of a perfectly good airplane. Amen. <laughs> There are spiritual laws in place for the same thing, the law of sowing and reaping. Yeah, like I always say if you, what you have isn't enough to meet your need, make part of it your seed. Don't eat your seed. God is a God of multiplication. He will you 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 plant out of a out of a, a pure heart what you have decided in your heart. See, that's why I don't talk about Say, everybody needs to tithe, everybody needs to do this. Because I don't really want somebody to until they get a revelation of it from God. If some people need help with that, I'll help them. And, and from time to time, I teach on it so people will have an understanding of sowing and reaping. Because that's a law, a spiritual law that God has in place. It's not ever going to go away as long as this world is here. And he put it in place for, as a benefit to his children. But some of them don't understand it. And so, in some cases, you have people that have been in churches for years and years, and they've been tithing and doing everything, but they've been doing it from a legalistic mindset, and they're not prospering. So I'd rather people start off just having a revelation of who they are and what they have, and how to participate in God's plan and His all of his spiritual laws that he has in place for our, our benefit. Once you have that understanding, and God loves a cheerful giver. See, then you'll give out of a glad heart what you have decided. And here, this is one of the one of the few areas where God says, "Try me and see. Test me." He, he gives you a, an invitation to test him and see if that does not work. So, anyway, I, I'm not preaching on that today, but it's just one of the spiritual laws that he has in place. Faith is another one. Everything Jesus died to provide us with on the cross Is is grace That's the grace of God Everything All the aspects of the curse He bore Poverty He bore Shame Condemnation He bore your sin He bore the judgment that was for you We were all on death row And he stepped in and took our place All that he took is part of the, the the grace that is available to Christians. And the way we obtain it is by faith. Faith is the hand that reaches out and obtains the things provided by faith. So the rest of the Christian life, once we're born again, once the old man is dead and we have been resurrected with Christ free of the bondage of sin and of judgment, then... The rest of the Christian life is just learning how to rest in what Jesus has already done. And through that rest, we learn to appropriate what has been provided by grace. How would you like to learn to appropriate all that he has for you? Because he says you can't even imagine all the good things he has in store for you. And he wants to show you those things. trying to get to some things. I want to show you something. In Colossians chapter 2, we okay on time? Yeah. Colossians chapter 2. And let's I want to I want to get down to the the 13th verse. Well, I know Let's back up to the 12th verse. It says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, Lord, so walk in him. That's way back up to the 6th verse. How did you receive Jesus? Did you, did somebody, did you go to a church and they said, okay, you have to do all these good deeds and then he'll accept you. I don't think anybody really, maybe some churches do that still. <laughs> but I don't think anybody did. Somebody told you, hey man, Jesus died for your sins. And he just wants you to accept him and, and he'll come in your heart and your home will be with him forever. And you're like, really? You believed. Those words, that's the gospel in the most simplest form. The gospel is the good news. The almost too good to be new, true news. When you heard that, you believed Because those words are filled with faith. This is all faith-filled containers, these words. And so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you heard the gospel that Jesus died for your sins and all you had to do was humble yourself, repent of your sins, and receive him as your Lord and Savior, and you would be saved. And you did. You received salvation by faith. You received it. The grace of God... Through faith. And he's saying here. Now as you received him. Walk in it. Receive everything else by faith. Quit trying to earn it. Now that you you received your eternal destiny. And relationship with God by faith. And now you want to go back and try to earn everything else. Man you're going to beat yourself to death. Rest. Enter that Sabbath Rest. The twelfth verse, having been buried with him in baptism with Jesus, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, you were dead. You were born dead. Now, until a certain age, when you knew right from wrong, you had a choice to receive Jesus or not, you were protected. But basically, you were born with that corrupted seed of Adam. And until you received Jesus, you were really dead in your sin and trespasses. All of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. So you were dead, just like Adam and Eve were dead. Although they lived for hundreds of years after they sinned, they died immediately. That's why we talk about spirit, soul, and body all the time. Because if you don't understand that you're a spirit with a soul riding around in the body, you won't even... You'll say, well, God said they were going to die, but they didn't. So none of this really means anything. Yes, they did. They died spiritually that day. And you were born spiritually dead. And so you were just doing what your daddy the devil wanted you to before you knew Jesus. Like everybody else. He was pulling the strings. Anyway... God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. There we go. Praise Jesus. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Then he set aside, nailing it to the cross. All the... Remember those commandments I told you? Chiseled in stone, the handwriting of God. That the devil used to accuse you with. Look at that. That's what you got to... You want you want to go to heaven, you gotta be look at that. That's what God says. Look at you. You know, you know what you did. Satan is the accuser of the brethren, and what he used to accuse you with was the law of God. Show you how holy God was, to show you how unholy you were and to get you condemned. It said Jesus took that and nailed it to the cross with him. There. Satisfied, settled. God's wrath, judgment, all poured out on Jesus on our behalf. Now it's put out of the way. Now watch this. It gets even better. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame. When you search this out, in the original languages and everything. And he's talking to a, uh, a culture at the time that was familiar with Roman rule, okay? And when they, when they would conquer, uh, say a nation came against them and they would go to battle and that, that king was scaring everybody and destroying their people and killing and raping and stealing and all that. And, and then they went out to battle against him and they defeated him. They would get that ruler... That king, they would cut his thumbs off and his big toes off, and they would tie him up, strip him naked, and pull him behind a cart or wagon or horse through town. They would have a parade as the army entered in victorious, and that ruler of that defeated army, helpless, unable, without thumbs and toes, you can't run, you can't hold a sword. He would never, naked and humiliated powerless. He was put on open display. That's what was harming you, our people. That will never harm you again. He was using that as an example to show what Jesus did to the devil. Amen. Amen. Or oh me. (laughs) That's good news. So when we let the devil come in and lie to us and steal from us, It's really what happened is you've got a little demon there. And we're picturing him as this huge monster. Oh, the big sea or or some kind of herd or some kind of terrible thing that's just a a mountain that's insurpassable, you see? Something that the world has portrayed as just impossible to overcome. The bank account says I'm overdrawn. I just got fired. They got a notice on my door. This is not something I can do anything about. You see what I'm saying? In the natural, if you're looking after the flesh and not believing, which sometimes sometimes it's hard when you That's why that's why we don't want you know, if somebody comes to for me to pray for them about something on their body or whatever, and they say, here, look, I said, don't show me that. What you want me to get into unbelief with you, or do you want to get rid of it? I don't want to have to pray to get back into faith after I see that thing. <laughs> Just tell me what you got, and, I'll, and we'll get rid of it. <laughs> but I have a friend that he was he was he was trying to get. somebody passed away in his family and and in that room there was demons. It's just a long story short. And once he found out, you know, something about spiritual warfare, he was going to get rid of them, right? And he was praying, praying, and he was going to go in there. And when he reached for the doorknob, he heard the Lord say, you got it all wrong. And what he told him or showed him was, you you picture in these giant demons that you're going to go in there and fight it out with and and you're going to get your butt whooped. Because it's all in your mind. You're, you, what you're battling is fear of your, uh, in your own self. And there's no faith. And you're going to be struggling back and forth, wavering. He, he said, what you're dealing with is these little imp demons. They're nothing. They're all. They even their hands are tied. All they can do is yell at you, accuse you, scream at you, get you to try to get you mad, try to get you into unforgiveness, try to get you into fear, try to get you into unbelief, because they don't have any authority. Just like this ruler, conquered ruler, the devil has no authority anymore against you, except what you give him. Let's just move right over to that. Because I was saying why we want to live holy. So our identity was the answer. Was the number one answer. Because that's just who we are now. We're not that sinner anymore. We're a new creation. Created righteous and holy. Just like Jesus Christ. That's who we are becoming. As we behold Him glory to glory to glory. Amen. And agree with Him. Now, the second reason... There's only three that I wanted to talk about. The other, the second reason to live holy is because of the fact that it does open doors for the devil when we don't. I just told you that God doesn't count your 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 sin against you in, in the sense that you're losing your salvation. That shouldn't make you want to, you know. They always ask Paul, "Does that mean we should just keep on sinning so we get more grace?" And then, and so basically. The, 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 the thing is if, if somebody doesn't ever ask you that then maybe you're not preaching grace properly you know because he really bore it all. why would he why would you have to pay for it again? That shouldn't make you if that makes you want to go and send some more then maybe we need to start over okay? Like me, when I got baptized drunk and then I got another baptized again in a religious setting and neither time did it, it didn't do anything. And, and that's funny because people say, oh, you don't have to sense it or feel it. No, I know I wasn't saved because there was not a heart transformation. Yeah. See, that baptism is just something to do um, in agreement with the Lord because He asked it to as an outward expression of an inner commitment and transformation that's already been made. And see, I never did that and I knew it. Nevertheless, look at Romans six sixteen. And we'll just we'll just get right to the point here, and then we'll go on about y'all's business today. Romans six sixteen, I forgot it's a playoff day. Not until later. Oh, okay. Alright. Here's look look what they asked Paul. He, in chapter 6 of Romans, it said we're dead to sin and alive to God. Just like we've been talking about, okay? And then go down to verse 15. And they, here's what they asked him. What then? Are we to sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? <laughs> See? And what did he say? By no means. Exclamation point. They said the original wording there is like the closest he, could, he came to cussing ever in the Bible. <laughs> he, Do you not know, here's the the scripture I want you to know, do you not know, verse 16, that if you present yourselves to anyone as, as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who once were slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart. To the standard of teaching. To which you were committed. And having been set free from sin. Have become slaves of righteousness. You see that? When you agree with the devil. You give him a legal authority. To come into your life. He's just waiting for that. He has nothing on you. He has nothing in you. But when you get into unforgiveness. And bitterness. And sin. Of all kinds. It literally saying. I'm right here. I'm agreeing with the devil. Because he's the father of sin. He's the father of lies. Jesus doesn't sin. And when you do. You're just basically agreeing with the devil right there. Now some people do it out of ignorance. But it still doesn't matter. It allows that door to open for the devil. The devil's going. See look. This is like a legal document. The covenants that we have with God. We are so blessed that we live in the new covenant church age, which was from the time he was crucified, raised from the dead, and uh, resurrected and enthroned in heaven. In the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, that church age began and it will be, nothing has changed. God hasn't changed in the way he deals with us or the way he feels. He hasn't evolved and become more politically sensitive or correct. None of that nonsense. Nothing's changed from the day this was written, this new covenant, till the day Jesus busts open the eastern skies. Amen. Amen. So, we don't want to open doors for the devil. Because John 10.10 says they were accusing Jesus of being the creator of bad things or having a demon like they did all the time. That's what the devil does. He always turn the tables and try to make it look like you're doing what he's doing, okay? <laughs> you see that on TV a lot these days. But Jesus said, No, the thief, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So anytime someone's stealing from you, physically stealing from you, or stealing something from you, spiritually, steal, kill, destroy that's the devil. And God needs to quit getting credit for it because it's not him. He, he is a God of love. Jesus paid the price and no aspect of the curse is God going to use to teach us. Don't look to the Old Testament to try to understand how God is dealing with you today. If you see bad things that God had to do to some people in the Old Covenant, just say, thank you, Jesus, that you have delivered me from that. All right. James 4.7 and we're almost done. This is important. You probably already know all this. But I want to get it fresh on your mind because you may need this information. Because the Bible says that the devil comes immediately To try to steal the word from you. Because this word can save you. And that's why the devil wants to get it from you. That's why in the parable of the four soils, the only one he was able to steal from is the ones who didn't understand. So we're trying to grow in the grace and knowledge of understanding of the truth about God and His word and who we are and what we have in Him. Amen? James 4 this was Jesus' brother chapter 4 verse 7 submit yourselves therefore to God resist the devil and he will flee from you see remember I told you a while ago it's all so simple But it's not easy. That's simple. I mean, that's not hard to understand, is it? Oh, just submit myself to God. Resist the devil. Now, how do we resist the devil? We resist all the things that are of him. That try to come at our minds or at our life or at our family. We recognize it as something that's not of God. And we reject it. Verbally. Mentally. Emotionally, whatever you got to do, you stand strong against the enemy and he will. Now, let me qualify this. Some people get so off into this that they're so focused on the devil that they end up giving him more access into their life. They start getting into spiritual warfare. And they see a demon on every doorknob. And the next thing you know. That's all they talk about. All they think about. The Lord rebuke you. Satan. Da 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 And Jesus is sitting over there saying. Why about me? Why don't you pay some attention to me? Oh magnify the Lord. For he is worthy to be praised. You start praising God. The devil will run. So it's better to. To praise the Lord. To give thanks to God. Than it is to fight the devil. You see what I mean? You rebuke him. You send him on the road. And that's it. Don't give him any more time. You go right back to thanking God. And praising him. And learning about him. And the promises he has for you. Regarding that area of your life. And you speak that. You create an apostolic atmosphere. In your home. In your family. In your relationships. In your job. You speak into it. Speak godly things into it my god shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory the other day my wife was about to pull out of the driveway (laughs) and uh, you know (laughs) i i went through a a period out of kind of out of work you know recovery and then Sort of right into holidays and winter and stuff like that. So, anyway, long story short, I sort of worked right through the holidays, and and that's okay because uh, she had to work. She's in retail anyway, and and we so we sort of find and do our thing on holidays and things when we can. We make every day a holiday. Amen. But when she was leaving, I must have been I must have been a little bit of worry or something because we always you know we kind of see each other off and I was outside with the dog and she was pulling out and she rolled out the weather and we always do you know all this and I said I said pray pray today that that uh, some more work would be coming in so I can get the pipeline filled up you know and she goes she goes it is it is and she drove off and right when she pulled off I went, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. Thank you Jesus. it is done. I just go to work to make a giving. I don't worry about the living. You are my provider. I went inside and I had two new jobs that people had called me trying to get in touch with me to come and write the contract. <laughs> that? that minute. I mean, that's how fun God is. Because He He made it to where I knew it was Him and how He was going. <laughs> He's like, I was just waiting for you to say that. To remember that, you know? We have to remember sometimes. We all get off into into our minds a little bit too much, and then we but well, what, what we need to do You know the, a good sign, a, a telltale sign, is, is the time when you go, man. I don't have time. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to 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 get a couple scriptures in my head this morning to, to to think on today. I don't have time for that. That's a good sign for you to stop in your tracks and just get on your knees and say, Lord, I got whatever time you want, because He's going to take that time as a seed, just like your nickel in the basket, and He's going to. Bless it into the kingdom, multiply it for His work, and then He's going to multiply seed back to the sower. Your time is in seed form too, and if you give Him the best part, the first fruit, like that, then all several of those things that you thought were just overwhelming you that day are just going to go away. You you call, oh, you don't have to do that; I got that covered, or, or just He's going to make the crooked places straight. Amen so we don't want to open doors for the devil i just want to point out to you galatians 5 and then i got one more thing and we're done i see the time christ has set us free is the theme of chapter 5 in galatians and that's what i hope your understanding today is of this message we're free we're new creation we're We're forgiven. We don't have to tiptoe around waiting for God to strike us with a lightning bolt if we mess up, step out of line. We always feel comfortable to run to Him and not from Him. You know what I mean? So many people out there, they get to feeling rejected and guilty about stuff. And then they run further and further from God to avoid Him because they think they're in trouble with Him. And they run right into the arms of the enemy who has created all that problem in their life. Whether they know it or not. That's the truth. Run to God. He already knows everything about you. Like I said, when he said, Adam, where are you? He didn't lose Adam. Adam lost him. Galatians chapter 5. These people in Galatia... They'll encourage you if you ever get into where you're into legalism and trying to earn your salvation again and trying to work harder and feel unworthy. Read Galatians because that's what happened to them. They started off in the spirit. They received Christ by faith. But then some people got in there and started teaching them they still had to do the law. They had to go. And and what he says right here is he said in verse 7 of chapter 5, You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. What he's saying is people... He asked them, who has bewitched you? In other words, somebody had come in and taught them that... uh, He said, now you started out in the spirit. How are you going to finish off it by the law? You didn't earn your salvation when you received Christ. How are you going to earn the rest? He said, you've been bewitched. You need to get over all that nonsense. would emasculate themselves. (laughs) That's pretty strong. He's saying, man, I came and I preached the gospel, the good news about what Jesus did and died for you. And you received it in love and joy by the Spirit. And then now you're trying to continue on in the law, trying to earn it it after you've already been told. He said that whoever's teaching you that, he needs to just go kill himself. (laughs) That's pretty strong. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out. You're not consumed by one another. But I say walk by the Spirit. That's what I'm saying. Find out. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. Walk by the spirit. Walking by the spirit is just walking in agreement with the new covenant. Amen. Amen. With Jesus' life, with his teachings, with his promises. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit... You are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He's putting all these things in there to show you, listen, all these things... Maybe you used to do some of them, maybe you still want to. You need to recognize these things are not of God, these things are of the enemy. And if you engage in those things, he's drawing you back in. Why do you want to go back to the the pig pen that Jesus pulled you out of? I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit... Is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You have all of those things. That's the character of God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. That's God's character. And it's full-blown and full-grown in your spirit. And as you practice it, it will get more prevalent in your life. That's how you grow in it. It's already in you full-blown, but you can't discern it with your soul. So now your soul is being renewed, your mind and will and emotions according to the word as you agree with that character right there. That's who you are. You have all the love, joy, and peace you will ever need and ever will have. You just need to draw it out. The measure of faith is is the dipper and the well is the mind of Christ, the kingdom of God, in your born-again spirit. Amen? And that's how you draw it out. The last thing, and I'm done and we're going to pray. The third thing, which I didn't get on, which is the main thing, the, the, the thing that, I hate to say it's how God got me to be a preacher. It sounds like I'm doing Him a favor. No, I was just being ignorant and I didn't think I was worthy. And so, it was in ignorance. So, like Paul, he says, you know, I I was the worst of all the sinners persecuting the church, but God forgave me and He used me because I did it in ignorance. Well, I was just dumb too. And I thought I was just unworthy and what do you want me for? But he showed me that our witness is very key in, in the kingdom and you know like I said there, there are people that they, they might bring a, a thousand people to Christ and then offend every one of them with their lives and so there's a balance there we need to remember that it's, just, it's not about us we are not at the center of the universe God is it's about him it's about Jesus he loves us And He has proven that by dying for us and taking us into Himself. We are part of His body now, literally, the church. And He loves us and cares for us, but it's really about Him. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And when we do things that are not godly, we hurt His reputation. People are watching you. Whether you like it or not. Whether you want to be judged by the world or not. Whether they think it's all about behavior modification or not. They're still going to judge you by it. And many times they're judging Him by your behavior. Because you you got the cross on your neck. You know. Look at him, I'm lovely by the way. But I'm just saying. That should mean something to us. We, When we get a revelation of His love. And his sacrifice on our behalf. It will cause us to live a holy life. It will make us love him more. And out of that love will spring the holiness that he's asking us for. And the Sermon on the Mount, they call it in Matthew chapter 5. And this is is it. Matthew chapter 5. He said... In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, it's all about God. It's it's, And, and you see this at, as you're reading and doing your Bible study from now and Remember, I said that. And you'll see, as Paul especially, in all these in the epistles in the back, when they're telling you to do these good things and do these good deeds, it's not... They, they always start off by qualifying it, just like Ephesians and Colossians. The first few chapters are telling you who you are and what you have, and how it's and nobody can take it away from you. And now you are in Christ. Now you are created righteous and holy, and you don't have to earn your salvation. And then it tells you to go and do these good things. It doesn't put the the, the cart before the horse. It tells you that here, you you've been given the power and ability. He's in you, and he just just let him live through you, and he'll do all these things naturally. You don't have to do it to earn. And if you make a mistake, you're not losing your salvation. But, by the mercies of God, because of every good thing He's done for you, and because we're trying to grow the kingdom, populate heaven, and vacate hell, please let your light shine before others so that they will see and be... Paul, Paul told the Hebrews, as he ministered to the Gentiles, he says, I'm trying to make my own people jealous... Of what you have in Christ now, so that they will also come to Him. We want to be able to give a good report, so just let your little light shine, the song says, and uh, and that way when when people see it, they will they will say, "Man, that's uh, you know I, I I've I've been blessed in that regard when I really came to know Jesus. I've had." I've had people tell me from time to time, and I always feel unworthy. We always do to some degree. And that's just pride, still trying to leave the body. But I've had people, I had a, a guy that we become friends 10 years ago. He sat across my kitchen table trying to list a house for me for sale. And, and he couldn't stop staring at me. And when he was about to leave, he says, man, I, I want what you have. And I didn't have to ask him what he was talking about. I knew, I said, well, it's free. And and we've uh, we went to church together for many years after that, but he grew up in church, and he said, "I want what you have." He saw the spirit of God, and I was blessed yesterday. They called me from the uh, the chairman uh, uh, of the the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. The. Uh, one of the directors from my committee called and he said, "Will you do the invocation this year at the at the main ceremony for the, um, uh, the barbecue for Saturday night?" There, the director, I said, absolutely. Yes. He said, "I can't think of a a, a, a a better man." And I said, "You know, I just—it's hard to hear that, but I said, of course I'll do it.' It's—it's it's my privilege as well as my duty." But that's—you know—that's I want. We want. Not for me, but for Jesus. I want I want that kind of a report from my life. I don't believe me. I, I, my wife might have a different perspective, <laughs> but, but but you know what I'm saying. We want to do the best we can for Jesus. Not not so we can earn a place in heaven. He's already given us that. Man, he died for that, and he's not gonna. He he's, he's not. Uh, someone who takes back what he gives us. Uh, when he, on John 14, 27, on the night of his betrayal, he, he told the disciples, he says, Peace I give to you, my peace I give unto you. The kind of peace that sleeps on the boat in the back on a storm, you know. And, uh, but he said, not as the world gives do I give unto you. In other words, I'm not going to take it back. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Dear Lord, thank you for your precious word and for this time together with your children. Thank you for helping us to grow in in your grace and knowledge. And thank you for showing us, Lord, that holiness is not anything to be afraid of. It's a blessing and it's a gift from you that it's who you are. And as we let you live through us, it just comes natural as a byproduct of the relationship that we've entered into with you. We don't have to be fearful of judgment from You. You've already poured all that out on Jesus. And we've accepted Him as our Savior and our Lord and King. So thank You, Father. We love You and we thank You, Holy Spirit, for leading us and guiding us and, and teaching us as we go through this life and walking in, to walk in power and victory and love and peace so that others will see our light and, and glorify You, Father.